We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in this program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome to Notre Dame fans to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am your host and your football analyst, uh, Vince D'Addario. And with me, as always, is the publisher and the brains of the operation. <laughs> that's, that's Brian Driscoll. We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, you're the brains. I, I guess that means I'm the brawn, which is a real mistake. So Even more trouble. <laughs> I, you're not kidding. So, uh, But we are, believe it or not, next week, the calendar rolls to March, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable to me in so many ways uh but march equals spring practice Mm -hmm. and we don't know the specifics yet uh but spring practice usually kicks off right around mid to late march um and so it's time to start doing some positional previews and we want to make sure that we are able to fit in all 11 position previews prior to the start of spring practice and so we're going to kick those off today and we're going to talk about the defensive line, specifically the defensive end position. Um, and, and then obviously we'll move forward and we're going to kind of go offense, defense, and, you know, we'll, we'll bring it all to you eventually. Uh, but when we started looking at when we think spring might start and we started backtracking, we're like, wow, 
we got to start with some positional previews. Like we're getting there. <laughs> this is where yeah, we're it's, at. Now. It's time to get rolling. Yeah, no kidding. So and we're gonna do exciting. we're gonna do defense, offense, defense, offense, defense, offense. So that way we're trying to you know kind of right. keep it keep it fresh in that regard. So absolutely. So we're kicking it off with the defensive ends, um, and we're gonna kind of go uh, through the same kind of format for all the different positions. Um, and so you'll kind of get a feel for how we're doing this. Uh, but today we're gonna start off with what was lost uh, mm-hmm. at the defensive end position, and of course. Notre Dame loses both of their starters, Adedekumbo Ogundeji and Dalen Hayes, guys that have been either in the rotation or starting for a very, very mm-hmm. long time. So we're going to see some new faces uh, starting and in the two deep. But let's talk about what they're losing. Yeah, really, you're losing experience. You're losing proven production, and, and yes. that's never easy. You know, I don't care what you have coming back. It's always a question mark when you lose players that, as you mentioned, I mean – for four seasons, really, the depth chart at defensive end was made up of four players, right. predominantly, and that is Ogundishi, Dalen Hayes, Julian Okwar, and Khalid Kareem. And so, you know, now that they're all gone, it's truly a new era, and yes. it's time for you know. Before it was, you know, Dalen Hayes and Nadi Takumba Ogundishi were basically co-starters in 2019. I mean, when you look at production and snaps and those kind of things. Now those guys are stepping in, you know, are gone, and now you've got guys that really didn't play quite the same roles, you know, big picture roles as those guys are, are now being thrust into it. There's a lot of inexperience in the position, uh, but there's also a lot of talent at the position. And so, you know, Notre Dame should have the tools to replace what they lost, but until that, until those, you know, toolsy players show consistency in production, it's it's going to be a question mark and it's going to be a concern. Uh, it's a concern we're optimistic we'll get answered positively, but it, until that actually happens, it's a concern. And and again, I think there's a, a leadership aspect of what Ogundiji and Dalen Hayes brought to the defense as well uh, that I don't think will get answered by this group. The focus yeah. of, the com- of the group coming back is more so on replacing the production on Saturdays re- compared to what the other two guys brought, which was production and some leadership, some experience, because those guys just don't have that leadership level yet. No, I agree. And, you know, it's not going to be asked of them to be leaders, mm-hmm. I don't think, either, which is a good right. thing because I don't think this group is ready for that. Uh, they might be eventually down the line. Um, they're, but they're, they're, they're names that we've heard for a long time, obviously, uh, but there's going to be some movement as well. Mm-hmm. And so let, let's start with the strong side defensive end, Brian. Um, w- from what we're gathering from our sources, Myron Tagovailoa Mosa is moving from the inside to the strong side defensive end. Why, in your estimation, is this taking place? And what does that mean for Notre Dame moving forward? So first of all, since you always correct me when I get the Clemson quarterback's name wrong, I'm going to take advantage of me finally getting Thank one right. You. It's Tungavaloa. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yes, um, I'm, I'm just kidding, obviously. But I love that though, you know, because I, yeah. I, I, I'm strict strictly for the the names, man. I, yes. I need to know the name, the correct pronunciation. So I appreciate yes. that. Uh, this is a move. So we've, I've been kind of hearing about this for over a month and it just kind of got louder and louder and and I'm more certain that it's going to happen. And really this move is being made for two reasons. Number one is I think there's a hope and a thought that moving Myron outside is going to allow him to play a position that better suits his natural body type. And what that means is 
you know, he's he's listed at 285. He pumps up to 285. He's not a natural 285-pound guy, and I think the fact that he's had to be that in so many instances has, has kind of kept him from making as many plays that I think he otherwise should be making. Um, and, and that's part of it. And I think that moving him outside the strong side end, maybe he can drop five or 10 pounds, see a little bit more of a burst comeback, and then that will hopefully impact his game and allow him to be more productive. Because the thing about him at defensive tackle was he was very disruptive. He was very good inside, but he wasn't much of a playmaker for himself. He did things that allowed other guys to make plays. But what they're looking for inside are, are more guys that are more naturally suited for the position and guys that can be more playmakers themselves. And and the thought is, is that moving Myron outside not only opens up opportunities at the three technique for those kind of players, but now it puts him in position in a position where they think his game might be better suited. So he can then make more plays on the ball. So um, that is those are really the two reasons why it's happening. And then, of course, it's, it's going to be sort of a tryout. Um, if he can't stick out there, they can always move him back inside and, and, and let him be part of that rotation inside. But the hope is that he'll play there. And then the other reason is, is beyond Jason, uh, excuse me, Justin Adamiola, there are legitimate questions about who else could play that position. Okay. I thought prior to Ovia Gofu transferring, there was a thought that maybe Isaiah Foskey could be a bit of a swing guy that could play some strong side end as well. And that way you can keep him on the field more. But obviously with Ovi gone, that's not an option anymore. And that was more of my theory as opposed to something that I was hearing from somewhere else. I just kind of sure. think with his body type, 6'5", big guy, you know, he, he could do some of those things. And then, of course, when they when Marcus Freeman was hired, there was even more uh, to me of that would have worked if Ovi had not transferred. Yeah. But uh, but that's what it is, and so he's going to have to be that Viper guy. And now it's you're hoping to get another veteran player and, and, and solidify that defensive end depth chart. And it's not guaranteed that he's going to start. He's going to have to battle and compete for that job. Um, I expect him to be a key part of that rotation, but there's also a lot of optimism that that Justin Adamuol will be part of that about of, of that mix too, which we'll get into. But th- there's hope that this move is going to allow two positions to flourish. And that's really what they're looking for is more flourishing at the three technique from a playmaker. You get more reps for Jason Adamiola, more reps for Riley Mills, open up an opportunity for maybe Jacob Lacey to play both positions. And then also to get Gabriel Rubio on the field as yeah. a freshman. Sure. And also to now solidify the strong side end position is, is really what it comes down to. Now you and I, and you, and you just, you kind of touched on this a second ago. You and I have been very impressed with what Justin Adamiola brings to the mm-hmm. table um, and, and it's been in a rotational situation. I mean, he's not, he hasn't been a starter, obviously. He hasn't gotten starter minutes, but he has been, even from the second they started putting him on the field, he was making plays and he was taking advantage of those opportunities. Do you see him with the potential to be, you know, a breakout player this year if he's getting more of an opportunity to play? It depends on whether or not his pass rush improves. And that is going to be the okay. big key for me. I mean, you go back to your point. You go back to the 2018 season when when Justin was a redshirt player. I mean, they redshirted him that year. They took advantage of the four game rule. Uh, he played four. He played four games and redshirted. But one of those games he played in was the Cotton Bowl against Clemson. Yeah, I think played that, well, and nobody was hurt. You know, I mean, they had guys get hurt during the game, but he was kind of already working into that rotation for that game. Right. And, and then, like you said, he played well. He graded out very well as a run defender. Uh, limited opportunities in 2019, he graded out really well as a run defender. And then, of course, this past season, he was a very good run defender. 
What Justin has to do to become more of an every-down player is improve as a pass rusher. The interesting thing is that's what he was really good at in high school. So here's something that I think a lot of people have forgotten. So the Adamiola twins committed to Notre Dame. I believe they were still sophomores. They were kind of finished, it was early. finished their sophomore years. They were going into their junior season. Yeah. At the time, Justin was considered the higher-ranked prospect. Huh. He didn't really keep growing. Jason did, and then eventually Jason became the more highly ranked player. But Justin's production was every bit as good of, as his brother's. And so he was an outstanding high school football player uh, that the, really the reason some of the excitement about him is, has gone away is because he doesn't have the prototype size. He's 6'2", he's 245, 250. He doesn't have super, super long arms like some of the other guys. So you don't necessarily see those big-time tools that you see from the, those other guys. But what has allowed him to be so good is that he is such a good football player. You know, he plays beyond what you might expect from a tool standpoint because he's smart. He's got really powerful hands. He's got enough length to handle the position and and he just knows how to make plays. He just when he, when he's whenever he's in the game, he's just always around the ball. You know, you just kind of see him either making a tackle or right there forcing a guy into to a linebacker or doing something like that. He's just a really productive football player. The, the hope is, is that, number one, with more reps, because I do think he's going to get more reps, even if Myron Tungavaloa starts at strong side end, I don't see him dominating the reps in the same way that that Nana Osafa-Mensa dominate, or excuse me, Nana Osafa, the way that Jay, that uh, Adi Takumba Ogandiji dominated those reps this past season, or the way that Khalid Kareem dominated those reps in 2018. So uh, he's going to play. Justin's going to play. Whether or not he is in the game, in crunch time, when it matters most, is going to be determined by whether or not he improves as a pass rusher. Because I could right. see a scenario in the fourth quarter when it's pass time where both of those guys are off the field. And, and they've got more Vipers on the field and, and some interior guys that can rush the passer. So uh, if they want to avoid that from happening, because I, I could see scenarios where if Notre Dame's in a pass rushing situation, they could put Foskey as sort of the strong side, the big end, and put maybe a Jordan Botejo or maybe a linebacker or somebody like that as sort of that fourth guy. Or they could just go to a three-man front have uh, and have Foskey and Jason Adamiola or Foskey and Riley Mills or some combination of those two in the game with you know maybe a Kurt Heinrich or maybe they put Riley at nose guard in, in those pass rushing situations and go with a 3-3-5. So if those guys want to you know, keep Notre Dame in four, more four-down looks and be on the field on all downs, one or both of them are going to have to improve his pass rushers. And for Justin specifically, he's got to take the pass rush production he had in high school when he was a very good pass rusher and now start translating it into college. A case could be made, Vince, that he didn't really get the opportunity to rush the passer a whole lot because, you know, on third down, he was never on the field on third down. Right, right. And a lot of times he'd come in, they were, they were running situations. So, uh, that case could be made, but this spring is going to be the opportunity for him to show that, okay, Adi's gone, Khalid's gone, I'm now the veteran, I'm now a senior, it's yeah. time for me to, to to get that chance, and he's got to show that he can be that kind of pass rusher. That's going to be the key for him to, number one, sort of being – because, like, look, it doesn't matter who starts the game, it matters who finishes the game, right? right. 
You're right. So if he wants to be that guy that's in there when when the when the moments are biggest, he's going to have to improve as a pass rusher, and that's going to be the thing that I'm watching for him. If if I get reports, oh, Justin Justin Adamiola is playing great against the run, I'm like, okay, he's been doing that since the day he stepped foot on campus. Right. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? That's why it's, he it, stood out. Right. What really? I want to start hearing is, hey, you know what? Justin Adamiola's really upped his pass rush this spring. He's given those young tackles a you know a hard time, and he's really getting after the quarterback. Those are the things that I'm going to want to hear from him this spring. And if we hear that, Vince, to your point, to your question, then maybe he could be a breakout player at that position. A couple of guys who were brought up uh, in a recent mailbag that we had that I want to touch on since we're talking about the defensive ends, uh, and that's Nana Sofamensa and uh, – Aaronsberger. Alexander Aaronsberger. Right, the guy from Germany, um, a young kid guy. Wow. Um, and they were brought up because they, they've been kind of MIA. And we know that Alexander Aaronsberger, it was a project. Um, he, you know, he saw a little bit of time. Nana has, has had injury issues, I believe. Yeah, he got uh, hurt. He got his knee rolled up on during fall in fall camp. Right. And right. Didn't really come back. You know, cleared to play. I think until the last couple of games here, but he did get in against Syracuse, so it, he he was able to get back and get into practice and get some action. So, but yes, he had a right. an injury that kept him out this most of this past season. So, what are you hearing about those two guys, or what do you foresee kind of as their role uh, going into this year? Because uh, you know, one of the things that's been so good about this team has been the depth in the past, mm-hmm. right? So, are they going to be able to provide that quality depth that Notre Dame has? you know, grown accustomed to the past couple right. of seasons. Well, and that's going to be one of the three key questions that we're going to ask at the very end that has to get addressed. And, you know, to me, I don't know what their role is going to be. The spring is going to determine that. They're yes. both going to get a chance to come in and, and push because, look, Jason Onye doesn't show up until the fall. He's not one of the early enrollees. That's the 2021 signee from Rhode Island who, um, to me, is a guy to look for at the future of that position. But for the spring preview, he doesn't really fit into the mix because he's not going to be here. So if these guys want to hold him off, and then, of course, in 2022, Tyson Ford's going to show up, you know, who's the top 100 recruit that Notre Dame got a commitment from in 2022, who is a, to me, one of the the few defensive linemen Notre Dame has signed in recent years on the edge that are, okay, that guy's going to be grown man enough to play as a freshman, right? Right, right. So to me, this spring and this offseason is huge for Nana Osafa Mensa and Alexander Ahrensberger because – even if even if Nana is not able to kind of crack the rotation on a regular basis, he at least needs to put himself in position where they start feeling good about his opportunities next spring when, right. when Myron Tungvalo is gone. Yep, and, and that happens because like, hey, look, you know, this kid's really coming along. Maybe he's not ready for it now. Not because he's not ready, I should say. It's more of he's just not as good as maybe these other two guys that are yep. both older than him. Because Justin Adamiola is a year older than Nana in eligibility-wise, and then obviously Myron's two years of, above him. So that's where you kind of get into that feeling of, hey, we, we like where he's at. We don't need to worry about a grad transfer. We don't need to worry, you know, that he's going to get his shot next spring. So, uh, But if he doesn't, if he kind of slowly progresses, then all of a sudden you start thinking he's going to his junior year in 2022. He's going to get now. Up. Right. He's going to get passed up, and right. then he's going to be a forgotten guy. Right. And then, of course, he's going to have to hold off Alexander Ahrensberger. And that's the other thing, too, about Alexander Ahrensberger. Now, you want to talk about tools. Like, he is the opposite of Justin Adamiola, right? Like, doesn't have the football experience yet, doesn't have that natural instinct yet, at least that we haven't seen. Sure. But goodness gracious, does he have some tools. You're talking about 6'7", 250 plus, and a thin 250. I mean, yeah. he is an athletic-looking kid. 
really, I mean, he got into, I think, one game last year that I only remember is South Florida, and he looked good. He had a couple quarterback pressures. He had a big hit on the quarterback, if you remember, when they were backed up on their goal line. Maybe it was against the running back. But he's athletic. He's powerful. And there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of fingers crossed at Notre Dame from, from conversations I've had over the last several months of people saying, boy, we hope this kid pans out because this kid's got a lot of tools. He's got all the things Notre Dame looks for, right? Length, size, power, athleticism. It's just, can he put it all into a form of a guy that can play football at a high level? Sure. And that's not always a given, right? I mean, football is such an instinctive game that you can have all sure. the physical tools in the world, and you may be able to go out and dominate against the weaker teams on the schedule, but you know Notre Dame's looking to develop guys can help beat Clemson, help beat Ohio State, help them beat Alabama. Uh, and you know he's got some tools that you think can maybe be exciting about that. Very very high ceiling guy, but about as low a floor as you're going to find at the position. So um, I think for him, he's in a little bit of a different situation than Nana. I think Nana is sort of in a make or break spring. Um, not so much that he has to play, but he has to impress so that he doesn't get passed up. I think for Alex, it's just show progress. If at the very least he just shows progress, then I think there is. Um, an ability for him to kind of come out and, and be, um, you know, a part of that, a part of that future. Absolutely. But let, let's move over to the other side. You, you've, you've touched on the Viper position a little bit. You talked about Isaiah Foskey. Um, you know, obviously he's the, the obvious penciled in choice at the top mm -hmm. of the depth chart over there at Viper. Um, is this his opportunity to really break out and be, you know, the guy over there? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so to me... Isaiah Foskey is sort of the make-or-break guy for this for this defensive line as a whole, and especially the defensive end position. How he performs is going to dictate whether it's a good group or a really good group. How he performs is going to determine whether or not Notre Dame is going to have an improved pass rush in Great. 2021. And when you look at Isaiah Foskey, Vince, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Like, 
there's just guys that just kind of when they walk on the field, they just look different, right? Like, oh, that that guy, wow. You know, like yeah. when, when Quentin Nelson walked on the field, you're just like, that guy looks different than everybody else, right? Dalen Hayes has some of that to him. You know, there's he just players does. that, you know, Kyle Hamilton, you're just like, mm. They don't make, they're not supposed to make athletes like that. 6'4, 215, run like that, play free safety, right? Um, you, you just, you look at those guys and you're just like, wow, that, that cat's different. You know, uh, Chase Claypool looked like a man amongst boys when he was in college. You know, he just, oh, even when he was younger. Isaiah Foskey's one of those guys that walks in the room and you're like, now that's what a defensive end looks like if you created him in a lab. Yeah. Right. 6'5, incredibly long arms, really broad shoulders, twitchy powerful just all the physical tools that you want and we saw that flash this past season i mean you know despite the fact he played really limited snaps for notre dame uh, as sort of a rotation specialist kind of guy uh, he was second on the team in sacks he had four and a half sacks you know that's that's like a, as many as i think khalid kareem had in his senior year you know so uh, tons of upside tons of potential the question is 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 that is he going to be able to take that next step and I expect him to improve. I think we both expect him to improve. Guys rarely take steps back right. when they're as raw as him, but it's how big of a step is he going to take forward? And that's the key for me, Vince, because – and I don't know if you agree with this, but for me, how he performs is arguably as important to this defense as anybody else in regards to whether or not Notre Dame is going to not only continue being what they've been, but then also take that next step forward. It's going to be about whether or not Isaiah Foskey – can can be that next man in. You know, they lost Julian Aquara. Dalen Hayes stepped up, played great. Lost Khalid Kareem. Ogandiji stepped up, played great. Can Foskey do that? Because from an upside standpoint, and this is the part I'm not sure if you agree with, from an upside standpoint, just a raw tool standpoint, the only defensive end Notre Dame has had in the same league as Isaiah Foskey is, from a talent standpoint, is Stefan Tuitt and Aaron Lynch. That's it, in my opinion, just from wow. a raw God-given ability standpoint. Well, we've seen flashes of what he can do. And I guess my only concern would be, can he do it on a regular basis mm -hmm. as the starter? You know what I mean? When those when those reps increase, when when those opportunities increase, can he be consistent, you know, from start to finish? I'm not saying he can't be. I'm just it's saying a question, that, right. a question. We just don't know because he hasn't been asked to be that guy as of yet. And so that's that's really the big question for me. I think look, I agree with you from from a physical standpoint, from you know, creating him in a lab. There is no question. He's one of those guys I walk by and I'm like, "Why has that kid never walked into my locker room as a mm -hmm. coach?" You know what I mean? Like that would be amazing. Um, you, well, I'm glad he didn't cuz then you probably wouldn't be sitting here with me uh, <laughs> yeah. doing this show. <laughs> so I'm I'm glad you didn't get a guy like that. I'd ride those coattails, baby, like crazy. Um but anyway, I, I think that he has the potential to be one of the best defensive ends mm -hmm. uh, that we've seen in in an extremely long time. And you put him into that category, you know, when when you when you compare him to those guys. I just we just need to see. Like, it. I'm just talking tools, right? Yes. I'm not talking sure. he's going to be that good. You know, he's because Aaron Lynch didn't tap in his tools the way that Stefan Tuit did, right? Oh, yeah. um, you know, so it's it's about can you become that player? And and so what does that mean for Isaiah Foskey, right? What does it look like for him to become that next level player? Number one, he's got to get better against the run, yeah. right? Uh, he's got the size, the length. It's just, he tends to play high at times because 
Let's remember a little bit about Isaiah Foskey's background. He didn't really become a defensive recruit until Notre Dame convinced him to become a defensive recruit. A lot of his focus in high school was on trying to become a collegiate tight end. And I'm glad Notre Dame convinced him because I think as good of a tight end as he could have been, they just don't make defensive ends like him anymore. And right. to me, he's a modern NFL defensive end, 6'5", 250, long, twitchy off the edge. I mean, we see teams are just willing to pay a lot of money for guys who are just good at, at – at, rushing the quarterback he's got a potential to be really really good at it so it's about becoming a more consistent from a technical standpoint playing with better pad level understanding angles a little bit better you know there's times where you can log him a little bit easier logging essentially means you can get to his outside which allows a bounce you know things that Dalen Hayes was great at you know Dalen Hayes could dictate I want you to go inside or I want you to go outside he could dictate that by how he took on blockers right Uh, Isaiah needs to learn that. And I think he had a great mentor in front of him when it comes to, to being a good run player because that was Dalen's primary number one strength was he was a really good run defender. Right. right. And so I think he, he got better, but that's there's another level he's got to get to. I think the other part of it is a lot of what he did as a pass rusher was just on him being more athletic than the dude across from him. So number step number two is with increased reps – an increased film because in, increased rep in games means increased exposure to your opponents. Absolutely. Right. So if you only have two pass rush moves by the fifth, sixth, seventh game of the year, teams are going to see that, which is why we saw Isaiah Foskey's production wane a little bit as we got deeper into the year because teams kind of figured out, okay, this is the movie likes, this is the speed he has, this is the, the, the kind of things he's going to do. Um, you can better prepare for that when he's in the game. And so he's going to have to expand on his pass rushing repertoire a little bit, you know, uh, develop a third move, you know, become more effective using again. Angles is also not just about run game. It's about the pass game. So I'm going to use this wide rush off my first three steps to get that offensive tackle to overset. Then I'm going to take my inside club hand, throw him and beat him inside. Right. Uh, or, you know, maybe I take a quick jab to get him to you know sit on that inside foot and then you can outrun him to the outside. Something that Isaiah has the athleticism to do you know, effectively using spin. There's all types of moves that he can learn that he has, in my opinion, the physicality to learn that he's going to have to learn and then put into game action. So the nice thing is, is there's things he can do from just a God-given ability standpoint that nobody else on the roster can do. So that it helps. Now, if he can start to add to that repertoire that's where the breakout comes. Because I don't want to just say, I mean, we're football coaches, right? I don't want to say, well, he's got to get better. Well, well, where? So (laughs) so when we watch film, hopefully we get some access this spring. uh, But when we watch him in the fall, those are the things that I'm looking for that are going to tell me he's taken his game to that next level to where he's going to make the flashy plays no matter what. He's just too good, especially against, you know, seven, eight teams on the schedule. Just they're not going to have tackles athletic enough to, to defend him. The question is, can he be a consistently dominant player? Exactly. Yep. That's the key because Ogandiji and Dalen Hayes weren't flashy players. They were consistently good. What Isaiah needs to do is be consistently good, but then be more flashy because he's just got more tools than those than those guys do. The combination of the length and the athleticism and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be the key for him is not just, I mean, he could have nine sacks and not be as good of a player as Dalen Hayes. That's just a fact uh, because people will obsess over the number of sacks, but like that's nine plays out of 500. Out of all of them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's what's he doing on the run? Is he setting the edge? Is he, is he helping the linebackers be more productive? Is he handling coverage when he needs to? 
Is he providing pressures beyond sacks? You know, all those type of things. Is he forcing the opponents to game plan away from him in a way that then allows others to thrive? Those are the things that I look for more than just raw production. Because this God-given ability, if he gets 500 snaps next year, he's going to put up numbers. It's Is he putting up dominant numbers? You know, with, with all due respect to Osmar Bilal, he had 10 tackles for loss. That's one less tackle for loss than what Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa had last year. But not all numbers are created equal. Yeah, yeah, no you kidding. Know, Osmar had a really good year, but, but Jeremiah was a guy that forced you to game plan away from him. Right. And so, you know, that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Foskey's the one guy at defensive end, in my opinion, that has the tools to be that kind of guy. And they need him to do it because that's the only way this defensive end position is going to be as good uh, as it's capable of being. So Foskey's a guy that we kind of know about. We've seen him on the field. Uh, but I guess another question that we could ask is what does it look like behind him? Because not, a whole, not a whole lot else proven behind him. That's and and sure. that's the key word is proven, right? I mean, right. we just don't know. We know who the guys are, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not proven. We, we don't know if the depth is going to be there. So take us through kind of the depth chart and then maybe somebody you think might break out uh, as, a, as a rotational guy. Well, to me, Ovia Gofu leaving was just this huge opportunity for Jordan Batelho. You know, he was the, according to many of the recruiting services, he was the highest ranked defensive recruit for Notre Dame in the 2000, uh, 2019 or 2020 class. Okay. Um, top, I think rivals had him as a top 100 recruit. He doesn't have the length that you ideally look for at the position. He was actually more of a linebacker in high school than he was a def- uh, an edge player. But in limited snap, I mean, you saw it on special teams. You saw it in limited snaps last year. Great motor. Very, very good burst off the edge. He brings a completely different skill set from Foskey. And that's kind of what I like about him. Absolutely. Is, is you've got to deal with this long 6'5 guy. And so you're used to kind of pass setting in a way. When a guy's really long, you've got to pass that in a way that guards against him getting into your chest. Okay. So you're almost kind of like here and you're ready to like, you know, really get extension. Then you got this little sawed off six one and a half guy that's just trying to get up under your pads and just blow by you with speed. That's a completely different type of deal that you gotta you gotta prepare for than what Foskey brings to the table, you know? And so I think that combination could be really intriguing if Batelho can can have the kind of spring Notre Dame needs him to have. That means number one, growing up and making better decisions off the field. Okay. Yeah. Um, no more time for freshman mistakes, right? Number two, just being more in control. I, yep. I, the only concern I have about a guy with his fire and passion and and energy is can you can you harness it? Or do you play out of control? Because right. a guy that plays out of control is going to bl- fly off the edge and beat that tackle, but they're just going to draw you and cut back on you all day. Now you take these wide angles, and you know you're not disciplined enough to see that that we're stepping away from you. So instead of coming off of an edge rush, you squeeze down and get on that backside tackle's hip, and now you're playing to run. You know, but if you're undisciplined and you're flying upfield, they're handing off on an inside zone, cutting right back behind you. Right. Yep. So, yeah, you had this really nice, flashy sack, but they ran for 180 yards mainly because you have no discipline as a, as a weak side end. I'm not saying that specifically to Jordan Patejo. I'm but talking about the nature of, of – exactly. Yeah. So right. um, and, and so I think he's got to harness that, that energy, that emotion, that fire. Because to me, he's the kind of player, Vince, when you look at his skill, his motor, and all that, he doesn't need 50 snaps to be an impact player, in my opinion. 
he could play, you know, let's say they play 70 snaps and Isaiah Foskey plays 45 of them and then he plays 25 of them. He's the kind of guy to me that can be really impactful in those 25 snaps, sort of like Isaiah Foskey was last year, you, where you notice him. You're like, oh, okay, let's see what, what he can do. He's the guy that maybe you see as part of a third down package with yeah. him and Foskey on the field together. So there's a lot of things you, you could you could actually have him in the game and do a 3-3-5 where in a base defense, you could maybe go have him and Foskey on the field together with Adam Iola or Mills and Kurt Heinisch, and you kind of have Foskey be that third end, and then Batelho can kind of play sort of a, a drop backer because, again, he's 6'2", 240 pounds. He played linebacker in high school. I yeah. thought if he wanted to be a Mike linebacker, I think he could play Mike linebacker. I mean, he's got that kind of tool. So gotcha. he could be sort of that, that Swiss Army knife for the defense uh, that you really would love to have in a in a coach who's as multiple as Marcus Freeman is. But here's the key. You're not going to develop those plans if you don't trust that he's going to, number one, be there every day, not be getting in trouble, doing things in, in a way that says, hey, he's going to class, he's he's sure. doing this, so we're, we're going to play him, right? Um, but then more so, more importantly, when he's on the field that he's being disciplined. He's got to show – that I'm going to play with my hair on fire, but I'm going to play with my hair on fire within the framework of the defense, right? That's something him and Maris Luafau, a linebacker, need to do. High motor guys, high energy guys, love how they play the game. Fire, passion. But you got to do so in a disciplined form, and that's going to be the key for Jordan Patel. If he has a big spring, Vince, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you start looking at this duo like we looked at the Aquara-Hayes duo. With which is it doesn't matter who they have in the game, they're going to get good production there. Exactly, and then that gives you some flexibility in some third down packages. Because remember, in 2018, Dalen Hayes and Jordan Julian Aquar were on the field together a lot against teams like the Thoda lot and against and on third down, and that's kind of a role I could see those two guys. So to me, Jordan, but Isaiah Foskey is the key to Notre Dame having a great defensive line again. Jordan Patelho is a key to them having the depth needed. Because, like, for me, I have zero doubt Justin Adamiola is going to be a good football player for Notre Dame this year. I have zero doubt that Myron Tungvalo is going to be a good football player for Notre Dame. Agreed. They're going to at least be good at strong side end. Will they be great? I don't know. They have a chance to be great at drop end, at Viper. But Foskey and Botelho, in different ways, both have to step up and emerge. And if they do that, then I think this, this team has a chance to be – to be really good at end. But again, what we're dealing with right now is more questions than we have answers right. at this point in time. Oh, that's that's a fact. Um, speaking of questions, what do you expect from the freshman group uh, that, that is at the Viper position? So with the with the freshman, Vince, I'm still at a place where I'm going to have an article coming out at our breakdown here soon where I'm going to talk about Notre Dame needs to rethink their red shirt rule when it comes to skill players. I don't think they should ever really redshirt a running back again, a receiver again. I mean, no if Tony Jones isn't going to stay for five years and when you want him to, then who is, right? right. I mean, that, if any running back is going to be a five-year player that you want to have as a five-year player, it, you know, he, he's it. But I think, I think defensive end, outside linebacker, those are still positions where you're going to have more potential for fifth-year players because I still think there's a, are you big and strong enough to not get hurt to be able to thrive than there is at, at receiver, running back, 
um, corner and safety, right? It's just a different – the nature of the game is different. And I think with Will Schweitzer and, and Devin Upal that they're guys that I love their ceilings. We talked about this on signing day. Right. Love their ceilings, love their athleticism. I just don't think either of them are necessarily physically ready to play beyond five to eight snaps a game. Okay. I think both of them could really benefit from allowing themselves to get some separation between Foskey and Patelho from an eligibility standpoint. So my hope is that they don't necessarily use at least one of them red shirts. And if you have to play a third guy, then, then you know, hopefully one of them steps up. I would think that maybe Devin Upal physically is more prepared to do that, but I think then Will Schweitzer could be used more if you create a role for Jordan Patelho where you're using him off ball, doing different things, moving him around. That's also something Will Schweitzer can do, right? So if you're finding that role for Patelho, then I think Schweitzer could kind of fill that role as well as rotation or Patelho gets injured. So you want to train him to, to fill that if you need to. Upau is more of a traditional Viper. He's more, he's not really a guy you're going to drop in coverage a ton. He's more of a traditional end. At times, he even plays more like a big end, but he's got a Viper body and, and range and athleticism. So I just think both of them could benefit from an extra year. However, being early enrollees gives them a five, six-month head start, right? So that's where the spring could be big for one of those two guys. If one of those two guys can really take to the weight room, see their frame fill out, uh, really take their body to the next level, then we could see one of them emerge into that to that spot. Because right now, th there's more question marks behind the one-two uh, there than I'd say at strong side. I, I feel like right now I have more confidence either Nana Osafa Mensa or Alexander Ehrensberger is going to be that third power end and be fine than I am with one of the freshmen having to play this year at that spot, if that makes sense. So no, it makes perfect um, sense. do you think, do you think Notre Dame needs a third at that spot? Like somebody might move over, or are they going to count on the freshman to be in that, the third in that spot? I think it depends on whether or not Batoho and Foskey are healthy and are able to stay there. I, I think you can get it with as many third th three down packages they can do. Um, there's things they can do on third down with, with linebackers. There's things they can do where, if they have, you know, issues with depth there, they can just go to more of a of a three three five look. You know, there's enough built in flexibility to where, if you're down a viper and you don't think the freshmen are ready, there's things you can do schematically to say, well, we're going to put a linebacker in the game. Then, why would we put a, a red shirt or a true freshman who's not ready to play in the game? We'll just put Bo Bauer in the game, you know, and do some things where now you've got Bo Bauer and Drew, you know, uh, Drew White, and then a third linebacker on the field or. You know, they're, they're, we'll, we'll put a safe, an extra safety on the field or something along those lines where, you know, if Notre Dame's already sort of in a 4-2-5, then they can just go to a 3-3-5 and now put a fifth DB on the field. So, I, I and I think that that flexibility puts less need, I would say need on a third drop, third Viper. If Clark Lee was still here, I would say you're, you're going to need it. It's, it's hard, Vince, to go through an entire season with playing just two guys at a front seven position. Right. That's it's, it's really challenging. So, but with the natural versatility of this scheme, I think there are ways because there's going to be times where they're in a three down look where you're not going to, you're not going to play Batoho or, or as much maybe, or you're not going to play one of the strong side ends. So there's going to be naturally times where a, th a fourth defensive lineman is off the field. Yeah. So if Batoho is injured, then maybe you just play more three, three, five. And then there's situations where, 
you know, you could you could rest Foskey by in the th- on base downs. You put Jason Adamiola at one end spot. You put Justin Adamiola at the other end spot, or Riley Mills and Justin Adamiola, or Riley Mills and Jason Adamiola with, you know, or or Myron Tungvalo or whatever with the the Lacey and Heinish at nose tackle. So there's enough things you could do that way with a line, an extra linebacker on the field or an extra safety on the field where you could limit the need for that third guy. But now you're having to play some games a little bit, you know, as opposed oh. to just saying, hey, you know, but that's what you got to do sometimes if guys aren't ready. Well, yeah, and I, and I feel like Marcus Freeman's defense, the fact that he's a little bit more multiple in his looks mm-hmm. uh, will benefit that. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? I, I, I think having the ability to go to a three front a little bit more often, having the ability to move your linebackers around a little bit more often. I think will benefit to the lack of depth over there. If that makes mm-hmm. no, that absolutely sense there. Yeah, because to your point, Vince, it's if if Notre Dame went to a three down look under Clark Lee because they didn't have bodies at a defensive line, then then the, that's kind of having to rethink everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if a position isn't playing well, you know, let's just say for example, the strong side end position isn't playing well. They're not getting what they need from it. Well, there's a scenario in which they could move Isaiah Foskey over to the big end and have, you know, a three-down look where you have Foskey playing the position that MyJ Sanders played at Cincinnati. Then you have Jason Adamiel and Riley Mills kind of playing that five-technique end. And then you've got your nose tackles with Kurt Heinish and Jacob Lacey and Aiden Keanana. And you put another linebacker on the field. And then yeah. you can have Jordan Patelho be sort of, you know, one of those linebackers where he could kind of rotate in in some nickel situations if you don't like the depth that you're getting at strong side end. So, I mean, there's, there's things they can do with a lot of this. That's already like, it's already baked in, right? Like you don't have to add any extra ingredients. It's already baked into what you're doing defensively. And Vince, as you know, as, as a former offensive coordinator yourself, when you have to kind of completely adjust your philosophy on the fly, it's incredibly hard to do. It's, it's different than when you've got a whole offseason. It's kind of like when, you know, when when you lose a guy to graduation in the NFL and you've got a whole offseason to prepare to lose him, you're, you're going to be able to replace him at some point sure. in time, as opposed to losing a guy in the fourth game of the year when your whole offseason is geared towards this guy being your quarterback or this guy being your left tackle or this guy being your running back. And then all of a sudden he's gone. Right. And you're like, well, what do we do? Everything we've been working towards for months is now changed. Same thing when it comes to your defensive philosophy. If something happens, like, you know, you're building your whole defense around this player or being able to run this set or this looks. And all of a sudden, through injury or ineffectiveness, you can't do that anymore. If you don't have other stuff already baked in, you're going to be in trouble. That's one of the things I love about Marcus Freeman is there's enough baked in versatility to where if even not even just injury, if they're just not good at something, they can easily adjust and do other things because th- that's already a part of who they are. It just becomes a shift in emphasis, right? As opposed to a shift in philosophy, right. exactly. And, Shifts in emphasis, and I guarantee you, if I were to ask you this question, Vince, I guarantee you'll have stories where were there ever years when you went into a season thinking we're going to be really good at this, this is going to be our bread and butter, but then you ended up being so much better at something else that you just kind of said, okay, we're going to throw the ball more, a little more this year because this young quarterback stepped up or or one of our receivers has stepped up or whatever. We're just clicking. Yeah. And it's not that your run game isn't still good. The, but or it's vice versa. Hey, we may have yep. to throw the ball a little bit more, but you know, man, our linemen are taking they're playing great as a unit. And we're just running more effectively. So, but that's a shift in emphasis, yeah, not a shift in philosophy. And that's the bit that's the thing is what gives Marcus Freeman so much 
what I like so much about what he does is there's so much baked in versatility that allows them to adjust on the fly to strengths and weaknesses arising during the right. season. Yep. Having said that, to kind of bring it back to the defensive end, no matter what you do, three down, four down, five down, two down, whatever, if you can't get after it on the edge, if you don't have edge rushers and get after the quarterback, you can go 10-2, and two, you can go 11-1, and if your schedule's soft enough, like Notre Dame has had in some years, you can go 12-0 and and get to the playoff. But you're not going to beat Clemson. You're not going to beat Alabama. You're not going to beat Ohio State if you can't get after the quarterback off the edge. We saw it even in the win over Clemson last year. Notre Dame was having a hard time stopping Clemson for much of the game. But when the game was on the line, the two ends we talked about Notre Dame losing on back-to-back plays sacked the quarterback and won the game for him. Are they going to have that next year? Right. That's a question. At some point in time, you've got to be able to get after the quarterback. I think this group has a chance, just based on talent, to provide even better pass rushing production than what we saw in 2020. But what they can do and what they what they are doing or, or where they are now, there's a pretty big gap between that, and that's what the spring yeah. is going to be about. Can they, can they take that step to where then the fall you really take off to be that group? Because right now we're having a conversation about potential versus production. You know the proven production you lost. You have great potential coming back, but how much are we going to see that potential turn into proven production that remains to be seen, and that's that's what the spring is going to tell us. Well, and one cool thing we're going to do with each one of these positional breakdowns is we're going to ask three questions at the end. Uh, at least that's going to be the goal, right? Um, and so we've got three questions, and we don't we don't have the answers to those right now. They're, they're questions that we are looking to get answers right. to throughout the spring. And uh, so for the defensive end spot, our, here are our three questions. Number one, can Myron Tungavaloa Amosa make the move from inside to outside to that strong defensive end? And what's it going to look like? That That's a major question. Uh, number two, can Isaiah Foskey make a big jump from being a rotational guy to being a starter? I mean, we talked Not about Not just it. starter, impact player. Yeah, good point. To me, Very it's more point. about impact player. Very good point. Um, and then we, we talked about it earlier. What is the quality of the depth going to be and is it going to be the same is it going to be on par with what Notre Dame has you know gotten used to seeing uh, at the defensive end at, across the entire mm-hmm. defensive line but since we're specifically talking about defensive end um, is that quality depth going to be there and that's it's going to be a big question because it's the depth that makes this team so good yeah it, I mean it, Vince it the last couple of years it just you could throw Sometimes three, four dudes at his position at, yes. at teams. I mean, yes. think about 2019. You lose Julian Uckwall, or you lose Dalen Hayes early, who I thought was their best end through the first three games of the year, right? You lose him early against Virginia. Then Julian Aguara gets go, who was really struggling for a lot of the season, didn't play as well as normal. He then gets hurt against Duke. And then Jameer Jones steps in and he has like four and a half sacks, like just plays great. And then Ayogandiji yeah. steps up with down the track. He had four and a half sacks in like the last three games of the year. I mean, you just could throw waves at people. And, right. and you know, to- 2018, Justin Adamiola's redshirting, but then you throw him in the game against Clemson and he balls out, right? Like it just uh, in that game, remember Julian Aguara got hurt right before a third down play. Clemson was in field goal territory. This is early in the game when the game was still close and in doubt. 
you throw in Adi Ogundiji on the on your nickel package, who played very little in your nickel package all year. And what does he do? He sacks Trevor Lawrence and the force gets him out of field goal range. You know what I mean? Like you could just throw waves at defenders at people. They can still do that, in my opinion, inside. They're still gonna be able to do that, which is partly why they're moving Myron Duncan below outside because the depth is so good inside. We don't know if it's gonna be that way. There's bodies. It's not a question about bodies, it's about production. It didn't matter who you had it in the last two years. Uh, last three years, really, whoever was in the game was going to play well. Uh, and if they didn't play well, you could just pull them out because you had somebody that would go in and play well. I don't know if – well, we don't know if they're going to have that this year. That's, right. that's where the spring is going to be. More than anything, to me, you could argue that that question is even more important than the first two. Because if you have waves of, of really good players, you don't necessarily need a great right. player. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and if you have a great player, but – Great players can't play 95% of the snaps and still be great, not at the college yep. level. Yep. Uh, so if, if there's a huge – and this is what hurt Notre Dame prior to 2017. Notre Dame's always had really good starting defensive linemen. It's, it's behind them. The depth behind them is when we saw a drop-off. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen because we like the talent. Yes, we do. the talent has to step up and play well. That remains to be seen. And to me, that, that of those three questions – and, and these are three questions that we will then readdress Correct. after the spring heading into the fall to see where things stand. So that to me is is probably an even bigger question than those other two. Uh, but they're all three very important and things that we're going to have to learn a lot about this position group as we head into uh, as we go into the spring, come out of the spring and start heading into the into the fall season. No question. So that's going to do it for our defensive end preview going into spring. Uh, make sure you stay locked in because we'll be coming back at you with every position group on the team. So like like Brian said at the top, we're going to go defense, offense, defense, offense. And of course, we'll sprinkle in, uh, you know, other, uh, you know, other topics as we go. We'll yeah. have our, our live mailbag on Fridays. So um, yeah, we're, we're not covering all of these in the next two weeks. No, you know, we'll no. go, like do two to three a week and then mix in some other topics. And then and then kind of we just want to be done with all these different things as, as we as before we get to spring practice, which is right around the corner. And uh, I believe last year we had a spring practice. It was early teens of March. That yeah, was only, it'll be week. later this year. It'll be much later this year, because I think part of it, too, is I don't I don't believe there's going to be any like spring breaks this year, because remember that in the past, oh, they've had to work right. spring ball around spring break. Forgot about that. And they're, uh, well, they're squeezing together the calendar. Right. There's no spring break. I don't believe this year. Um. So that that factors into it as well. So it'll it'll be a later start. Uh. Than than what we're what we're used to. And I think Notre Dame's pro day is also going to be late March. So there's going to be a lot going on as we kind of get into that last week of March. That it is. So and and once again, the calendar turns to March next week. So yeah, we're we're getting locked in for spring football, which is just really weird. But here we are. And uh, so make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button, hit that that uh, the, hit that little bell so you're notified when we get videos there. So subscribe on the YouTube channel, hit the notifications, subscribe on the uh, podcast uh, area, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe there. And of course, check out IrishBreakdown.com because there's always new and exciting stuff up on there. So uh, for Brian, I'm Vince, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.